this week on Ace on the House. The thing that's crazy about these kids, it's insane. They <laughs> constantly think they can get me busted. Like, they're like, I'm going to tell Mama. It's like, are you fucking nuts? I'm going to tell Olga. Like, they'll threaten me. I was like, I'll fire her ass. I'll fire Mama. <laughs> I'll fire everybody. What do you think I'm in is? charge. They have no Don't fucking, you know? Have no <laughs> idea. I tell them all the time. I pay for everything. I do whatever the fuck I Well, that's I why want. they want to turn you in. I know. I'm waiting <laughs> Olga finds out. Check out an all-new episode of Ace on the House this Saturday. Or visit aceonthehouse.com. Only on the Ace Broadcasting Network. Okay, welcome podcasters. We always start off with a little music, what we call a jazz series. Um, we've kind of been into uh, one kind of one composer lately, that is George Gershwin, and his brother Ira Gershwin, who was his lyricist. And George Gershwin um, was a musically trained composer that studied deeply about it. Remember, the jazz world started off with just people, um, you know, for expression, playing the blues and not, 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 not much um, harmony. Um, and it was later on. So jazz had kind of a soul and a kind of heart, but it didn't have a head. So later on, composers like George Gershwin helped with that by producing more sophisticated harmony. Uh, so I'm going to do two of it, and that's about 1937, beginning of the Broadway era, too, when the Brigandese music be, began to be played on Broadway. Uh, Foggy Day, then we'll go into uh, Continued Gershwin. The second one is a Fascinating Rhythm. Anyway, the first one is A Foggy Day. Welcome to Life Lessons with Jim Carolla and Ray Oldhofer.
Okay, welcome podcasters as we get ready for our, our show. I don't know which one this is. Uh, before we do, we'll take care of a little business. We got some people to thank, Jim. Yeah. Yes, we do. We've had some, uh, some great people contributing on PayPal. Uh, Craig Woods has donated a couple of times now. Thank and you, Craig. Another uh, repeat uh, contributor is Michael Belafato. And oh. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong, but thank you guys all very much. And uh, to everybody else, please uh, go to acejimcarolla.com and, and drop us a few shekels if you like the show and keep us going. And by the way, for the people who aren't Jewish, shekels means money. And thank you. And it's very, very appreciated. By Jim and I both, that's for sure. And Gary, of course. Absolutely. Thank you all so much. Okay, so good. We start off with thanking our people that are thinking about us. Um, and so we'll move on now. <clears throat> okay. Remember, what we're working for, working towards, first place is an integral, integral approach, meaning it's coming from many different areas. Many uh, other people behind the scenes that... Uh, as we borrow from the traditions um, and of um, Eastern traditions and um, philosophy of Jacob Nailman and Surya Rambindo uh, from the West, Surya Rambindo, and um, poets and literature. And between all of them, we were trying to see where they come together, some main themes of what they're all saying sometimes in different ways, different language, but underneath there's a kind of a road where they meet. So deep within the human psyche, the spirit, um, there's a search, there's a search unfolding inside us for a new vision of why we are here and what may we become. Perhaps it is only now in postmodern times, when we have unprecedented access to the world's spiritual traditions, as well as more than a century of Western psychology. So it's an interesting time. At one time, people didn't have this kind of access to things. But now we do. And so we have a lot of different areas to go to. So we can draw on from all these different things. And we can forge a larger understanding of the human journey that addresses all the different facets of our nature. This new vision we are needing is one that brings together two different halves of our nature, which have been cultivated in different ways on opposite sides of the globe. So with the traditional spiritual cultures of the East, we are um, specialized in illuminating the timeless super-personal, super-personal ground of being. That's how they would, might say it from the East. The heaven side of human nature. And Western psychology focuses on the earthly half, or the personal and the in interpersonal. So we need a vision that embraces all these three domains of human existence, the suprapersonal, the personal, and the interpersonal, which no single tradition, East or West, has ever fully addressed 
within a single overall framework of understanding and practice. So you can see we're biting off quite a bit. Um, let's see, what am I doing here? Um, Go ahead, keep going. Okay, yeah, so we're going to a lot of different areas and we're, we're uh, yeah, that's better raise adjusting my mic here. Um, so that will, we're, we're, we're um, we have a lot to work with. Now the spiritual practice, when cut off from the rich feeling textures of personal life, can become dry and remote, just as personal life becomes narrow and confining when you cut off the fresh breeze of spiritual realization. Now that our world has become so disconnected from larger spiritual values and purpose, we need to find new ways of integrating spiritual wisdom into our personal lives if we are to meet the great challenge we face um, in the new millennia. The emerging dialogue between the ancient spiritual traditions of the East and the modern therapeutic psychology of the West holds great promise in this regard. So we got two great traditions and we're trying to see where they meet, what we can use from them. They're both important. Now, as a psychotherapist and a meditation practice, practitioner, um, uh, the psychological and spiritual work, in my experience, as well as understanding these questions, I've gone back and forth between two different perspectives, sometimes regarding the psychological as um, very important for self and and sometimes diametrically opposed, even antagonistic, to the spiritual part. I know in my own development, um, I started off kind of with the spiritual just being born and kind of a Catholic and kind of escaped to the church. And then as I became an adult, I gave all that up and... Um, and uh, began to do other kinds of explorations. So we can begin with this basic consideration of the essential challenge of inner work, of the spirit, common to these two paths and the different direction uh, and the different directions that they take. Now, are they are they always at odds? I mean I find that they're at odds also. No, well no they're not always. I think that the integration is a part of the work we're doing here is to see if we can ally them both, um, see if we can get them more together. But they're, as the years go by, actually, they're, they're kind of um, intertwining together, cross-pollinating. Um, we want to help with that. We want Western psychology and the East to, to come to bear with that. Um, but now I'm going to talk about a part called bypassing, which I knew in myself and also people have known. I begin to perceive a disturbing tendency amongst many members of spiritual communities, and I belong to a couple. Although many spiritual practitioners, practitioners were uh, doing good work in themselves, I notice a widespread tendency to use spiritual practice 
to bypass and to avoid dealing with certain personal or emotional unfinished business. Wow. This desire to find relief from the earthly structures that seem to entrap us, the structures of karma, conditioning, body, matter, personality, have, have been the central motive of the spiritual search of, for thousands of years. So there's often a tendency to use spiritual practices to try to rise above our emotional and personal lives. Do you see what I mean? It's like when it gets too rough for us to understand it. And, uh, to Jesus will take care of it. A lot of that. Yeah. Um, what, what people do then is uh, they just bypass the painful working it through psychologically and you go right to the spiritual. It's in God's hands. It's in God's hands. And, um, and they try, and I call that bypassing. Bypassing instead of... Uh, a lot of that stuff in Texas. Uh, mm. Okay. Um, so we're going to start with this question. How might psychotherapy and spiritual practice work as allies in helping people awaken to their genuine who they genuinely are. So that might be the question. How do we use these two powerful forces for that? Now, I told you in my own uh, experience, um, after giving up um, my Catholicism, my first, I went into therapy, that was in my early 20s, very early. Um, the experience of therapy for me was a somatic therapy. It was a body therapy. It was a good one. It was called Viking therapy. And it had to do with you first got to contact what's in the body. You first must really, um, we can't bypass the disconnection with the body. Basically, the purpose of somatic work is to restore the equilibrium in the body by addressing the physical and the energetic underpinnings that froze up this body very early, what I call the contractive life, where the body is frozen now. The muscles and tissues are frozen. But you, you literally um, suffered some stuff like that. I mean, you were born, like your feet weren't oh, that good, and you, you I mean, I, I was... I've hurt myself over the years as far as physically and, you know, have about, you know, eight, I forget how many surgeries, but a lot. But you, um, and you, you weren't, when, as a child, you would even say, like, you didn't participate in sport and, you know, body type work. Yeah, I was, what Ray's referring to is uh, I was born in a hospital. I'm mentioning that because most people around my time late 20s and 30s, uh, were born by, um, baby was delivered by a midwife. So I, I was born in the hospital, and, um, and I was born with what they called in those days club feet. I don't know what they call it today. Um, when you're born, both feet are like turned around. The ankles are like on the, on the bottom of your feet, 
and it's something to do of, of uh, something that went wrong and uh, at the fetus uh, time. They still call it the same thing. Yeah. Oh, they still call it the same thing. Yeah, I know a little um, infant girl has it. Okay, so Ray reminds us that that name has still carried on. But you had <laughs> surgery, didn't you, as a child then? Yeah. Oh, let's see. Now, this I'm not sure of. What, what, I, what I was, my brother, who also had it, so it was, it's in the family, um, he was absolutely operated on, had it very badly, my oldest brother, and was a cripple all his life. Um, mine was a, a lesser version of it, and then by the time they got around to me, and my brother was older, this was seven years later then, they put me in a cast. So they bend the feet straight, straight, and then they play, put you in a class. So I spent a lot of my early years in a cast. Wait, so you were already, you weren't an infant now. You were seven or eight when this was happening? Oh, no, no. This was done very early, very early when I was, yeah, very early. Um, of course, if they don't do it early, then they can't, you can't twist those feet the same way. So while the bones are still pliable, they um, then put it in a, a plaster cast. Um, I think the remedy is still the same because this little girl that I know who had it, um, that's what, <clears throat> excuse me, that's what they did. Yeah. So she had a little tiny cast on for, you know, six months and then straightened out. In one leg? One, yeah, yeah. only one leg. Hmm. You know, and her foot turned in, like you were saying. Yeah. Her foot turned in. And, but she was still mobile and everything, you know. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you couldn't really tell, but you could tell there's a, a mild limp. And you had it in both feet, right? Yeah. yeah it was fairly severe on both feet, enough that they had to twist them around to normal size and then put them in a cast. So Ray reminds us that they're still doing that today, uh, that putting them in a cast very early. There's all different degrees of it. My brother, as I was saying, my brother had it terrible and wore very cloggy shoes all his life. It was really... So the, the, your, and your first therapy being Reikian, that's kind of, um, that's, you know, right on. I mean, of course it would be, right? Well, yeah, it, um, it, it's going into the body, um, so it's, there would be some relationship to it. But it's, it's, an, it's an awareness of now understanding how, how when the emotions, particularly in contractions, go inside ourselves, and meld themselves into the bone, into the body. That's the idea. And um, the first one is um, what begins when something also goes wrong in the early development is there's a gestural field uh, that comes. In other words, we gesture and it gets into our face, in the tissues of our face and other parts of our body. Um, um, and this, let me, let me say it this way, the overstimulation of infant ner the nervous system makes it difficult to let down and to relax through a relaxed state. In other words, it's uh, too much for the n nervous system to deal with sometimes very difficult things. So therefore, it's hard for the baby to relax and to know what relaxation really is and to, uh, uh, to be able to accept and relax, that that area is off. 
And that that's something you can carry around for the rest of your life. I mean, I I I'm pretty good at reading bodies for the wrong reason. And um like you can tell when a girl's really self-conscious of like let's say her breasts or something, you can tell that the shoulders will, will pin in sometimes. You can tell like I have a friend who um is always under stress and he's always he's always in like a, a bad mood. It's automatic negative thoughts wherever he's doing and he wears his shoulders like um earrings you know he's always hunched up yeah. like that and you can you can see it you know when you're just driving around you can see how people's gestures are saying something yeah. and you can pretty much figure out what what they're saying mm. yeah oh well, yeah that that's a good point ray the, the example that he made and i had that with my Shoulders too. It's like going inside yourself. You raise your shoulders, um, but one's psycho-emotional history are are frozen, and revealed in our bodies. It freezes and it gets revealed in our body structure. All the emotional and physical constrictions begin. Gesture is the mirror through which each of us enters into the mystery of the other. We read each other. We see each other's. In fact, more than words, we see how people hold themselves. In other words, each of us has created a gestural body to meet the world. It is like a second body. Sometimes our gestural body will change into a new body. Gradually, they become, uh, become looser and fluid in therapies and mostly in love. When real love comes to us, Something begins to let down. Something changes in that, in, that, in that way. And we loosen up and get fluid, and our gestures are affected by that. Now, creating an identity is always going on. We're creating an identity, but now it's going to be based on contraction and constriction. So the identity is forming in the personality, but it's based on contraction. You see the difference, the difference of more of a healthy baby. So we have our self-identity, inner identity uh, formation um, that forges in our gestural field like a knight in his armor. Like there's a knight underneath somewhere and there's his armor on top of it. And we can't see the knight sort of. We, we lost track of the genuine person and we, and we work with the armor rather than the person. Our attempt to make ourselves into something solid, substantial, real, due to the fears of being non-existent. So we, we, we toughen ourselves. We make ourselves uh, like... Uh, we armor ourselves and our body. That's, a, That's what will happen when you grow up with three brothers. Yeah. Right. It's funny that you say that because I know um, I, I was always a bigger kid than most, and um, and genetically I was just what I what I am. But I know that a lot of my armor is is based in contraction. Mm. You know, it's even the work I do is based in contraction. Mm. You know, I mean, there's no way that when I was a child, I uh, you know, I signed up to do construction. I mean, I think, you know, it's a sentence more mm. than it was a um, chosen thing. 
I don't think many choose, you know, and it's part of the, the armament. Yeah, it takes well, you to whatever it else, what else it takes you to. Well, the choice is contractive as well. Yeah, um, the choice, is, but then when you said to have a body out of love, that, that made me feel really good. I mean, yeah. It made me feel, um, you know, more so lucid, more yeah. so relaxed. Loose and fluid when, when one is loved. Um, that, that's a part of it. That's, that's the beginning of it. And we cling to the negative self-identity. No. We, even if it chokes <laughs> us. Even if it chokes us, we cling to it. Because it gives us a sense of existence. I am something rather than nothing. I can feel my image, my identity. Um, and so it's very hard to get rid of this material because we cling to it. Once it becomes part of us, that's all we know, or at least that's mostly what we know. As children, our feelings, uh, as, as children, our feelings were very often overwhelming for a fledging, fledgling nervous system to handle such things. And that's how, remember, that's how it begun. We couldn't handle it. Um, through our psychological distress is composed of three elements um, that produced this from the constriction. The basic pain of feelings that seem overwhelming, that's one. The contracting of mind and body to avoid feelings of this pain. And the stress of continually having to prop up our de defense, our defend our identity based on this avoidance. Now that, that let me let me that one's worth another go around. So as we begin to contract because we're overwhelmed with the material going on around us, there are at least three elements in the way it forms. The basic pain of feeling when the baby's feeling pain, psychological and physical pain, that seems overwhelming. In other words, you can't escape it. The, con the contracting of mind and body by contracting of both of them to avoid the feeling, this pain. See, once it begins, now we have to find a way to avoid it. And this is where these different defenses, constriction and contraction, begins. I uh, hope that's clear to us. So this, this all begins pretty damn early. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking pre-2, pre, pre, even pre, uh, uh, oh my God, v verbal. Yeah, it's with the infant and early childhood. Yeah, very early, really, really early in infancy. Um, of course, the baby's overwhelmed with very little way out because it can't think its way out as we, um, as it grows. And these, um, these layers of armoring begin quite, quite early in life. Um, so that, that's the beginning of a very, um, to know what part of our problem is, is that we need to know that that's what's happening in the body. And, and so that's why we want to find to be in touch with the body. And there's different body therapies in the world. 
So whether it's a combination of body work um, and uh, and talking therapy, I do I do a little of both. I don't do it with every patient, but I do some body work um, with some patients. Um, not the deep work of uh, Wilhelm Reich, but uh, just beginning to be aware of the touch of the body. Now, because these identities are not really who we are, they require ongoing maintenance. We, can, we continually have to prop them up and defend them against the onslaught of reality that threatens to undermine them. You see what I mean? Once they form, now we've got to keep defending them. We've got to find all kinds of ways to con or to lie or to do, do different kinds of things um, to keep them going. We have to, we have to maintain the fragile, like against restless, the restless ocean constantly smashing into it. Life is doing that. It's, it's coming up against that. That's a lot of displaced energy. Mm, yeah. Wow. Hey, you know where you can find out about that, too? Where is that? At Amazon. Ah. Hey, you guys, this is Ray with Life Lessons with Jim Carolla. And this is a plea, because business is business, and our business isn't doing so well. So please help us out. You got that? And I'm not kidding. Help us out. So go to Life Lessons website and click through the Amazon banner and help us. Come on. Now that's a plea, and it's a good one. Do so. Thanks. Okay. We're the back. The stress of the prop, you know, that then um you know, the avoidance and where that can take you. Um so, so as you hear Ray's asking to uh find out what was that third one I gave three elements. Pain, pain of feeling, the body and the contractions Avoid. and the avoidance. Avoiding, yeah. Uh, Avoid. Me? Yeah, got it. Avoiding the mind and body, avoiding feeling the pain and the stress continually having to prop up and defend our identity based on the avoidance and the denial. That's the one he's talking about. Um, and that's a lot of work. And as Ray has said, the energy that it would take the energy that uh, to try to hold up different kinds of gestural fields um, are quite something. To hold the face in a certain way, to hold the body in a certain way. Um, it, it's, it, there's a lot of energy to hold that in place. Energy that once that's loosened and fluid, then we can amplify it in our expression. And it's, it's got a lot of um, anticipation in it, too. It's like you, you, you call it, you think you're calling it what it is. And the irony of that is um, you're probably wrong. Because mm -hmm. I just came up on something that was really big for me that I had been carrying for years. And um, so I finally got some resolve. And uh, it wound up, <clears throat> excuse me, I, you know, and then the other things that I do to avoid things are, are things like drinking and smoking and whatever else might be at hand. And um, so I went and took care of it, and I was, I was so surprised on how freeing it was and that it, it wasn't even that hard, you know, and then it, it just happened, and you, you walk out, and, and, 
and you feel you can actually feel it in your body it it, mm. it leaves or part of it leaves i mean it, it's old with me because it's from you know we're talking really early with my defenses so but it left and it and it was um quite liberating mm. and to see those you know and to and to actually be able to be present enough to catch more than you know throughout your day because they're they're with you all the time yes yeah so podcasters today we try to uh, pinpoint the importance of a a real joining an integration of um, eastern um, eastern culture and it's a feeling of the ground of being on the super personal there's something above personality it's not um, but personality becomes very fixated and very difficult to change as we all know for those that might have attempted that um, so um, and then we talked about western psychology that handled the personal and interpersonal part of our lives. And the combination of those two getting together, so super personal, um, the personal, and the intrapersonal, was saying we want, we were looking for ways to ally them, that where they'll become integrated. And that was a mostly our talk at the beginning of the lecture. Um, and then we talked about how the, well, that when we contract as a child, the body becomes frozen and it freezes into our skeletal, into our tissues and into our bones and, for, and, the, and then gestures and looks that come from when this material freezes. Um, so that, that was what we're mostly covering today. But we're going to continue on and uh, trying to understand this integration of superpersonal with personal and interpersonal of, of um, Western uh, Eastern culture's ground of being with Western culture's psychotherapy. Okay, so that's the areas we're kind of working on. I see our clock is coming to its time. Uh, we thank the people that have uh, contributed um, to, what is that called, PayPal? Yeah. PayPal? Yeah, very much. Also, and that's very, that's great. We appreciate it. And also Amazon uh, as our second source. And if Amazon wants, you know, Jim and I can do a show from the Amazon. From you the Amazon? You wouldn't be opposed to going. Going, there, going to the Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, I could use a couple of days off now that you think of it. Yeah. Let's go. Sure. Um, so, folks. I'll carry your bag. No we'll problem. We thank you, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Good job. Reach the show on Twitter at LLWJC or email us at Jim Carolla at AdamCarolla.com.
Podcasting Network.